When we finish up this, uh, this preaching service, this sermon, we get through looking what the Word of God has for us this morning, that we will turn around and give an invitation for salvation. And this invitation is just to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not necessarily an opportunity to get baptized or to join the church or anything like that, but really it's an opportunity to give you an opportunity to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because there was a preacher years and years ago, and I probably am going to mention him in my in my sermon uh, named Brother Packer, and he gave me that, opportun that opportunity. He gave an invitation. And in a church just like this, I went down the aisle to put my hand in the preacher's hand, and I said, I just want to be saved. And he said, let's bow down and ask Jesus Christ to save you. And I did, and I've never been the same. And it, uh, it, the, the weight of guilt and shame that Jesus Christ took off of me, I cannot even begin to explain to you. Uh, that's what's so wonderful about Jesus Christ is that I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm not a perfect man. I'm, I'm not perfect in any way. I'm not much better than, than anybody else running around. But the difference is that guilt and shame of that sin has been lifted off of me. And it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about it starting in John chapter 4, Gospel of John chapter 4, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Remember that Jesus didn't baptize. He had his disciples baptizing for him, but he never baptized somebody personally. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Let me give you a little background before we continue. Samaria was where they had split off back in the Old Testament. And the Jews had split off and started living with the Gentiles there in Samaria. And they, became, uh, they, they started being half Jews, half Gentiles. They were not full-blooded Jews. They started thinking that they were at Mount... Uh, they, they went away from Jerusalem. They said, we should not worship in Jerusalem. That's, that's for them, the Jews. We're going to start worshiping God. They tried to worship God, Jehovah God, and they tried to worship him at Mount Ephraim. And they had a mount they would sacrifice, they had an altar, they'd sacrifice on this mountain, but they said, the Jews have their mount that they serve God on, we have our mount that we serve God on, and man, the Jews thought nothing but bad stuff about the Samaritans. That's where the good Samaritan comes in. That's why Jesus Christ tells the story of the man that was robbed and beaten and left and nobody would help him out, but who's the one that helped out the guy? The good Samaritan, the Samaritan. And that's why Jesus told that story. He says, you know that sorry, no good Samaritan you don't like? He's the only one that would help him out. He said, now who was his neighbor? And they said it had to be the Samaritan. So the Samaritans had a real bad reputation. Nobody liked them. The Jews had nothing to do with them. And the Samaritans had nothing to do with Jesus Christ or the Jews. They had nothing to do with them. Well, here comes Jesus. He's going back to Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. And this is going to lead him by verse 6. He's going to lead him by a well. Now Jacob's well was there, verse 6. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, he's wearied because he's the son of man. He's wearied with his journey, and he sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now in the Bible, six hours around our noontime. Around our noontime. So it's around noontime. He's sitting on the well. He's tired. He's sitting at the well. And here comes verse 7. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. So this woman's by herself. Jesus Christ is by herself. She comes in to get some water from the well. And there's Jesus Christ sitting. He says, hey, will you give me something to drink? Verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, 
which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. See, that just explains what I just said. She knows it. What are you doing talking to me? Why are you asking me for something? Y'all don't want to have anything to do with me. We don't have anything to do with each other. What are you doing? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Amen. Amen. Now, guys, this morning I'm going to preach on five different ways. There's five different arguments this Samaritan woman is going to present to Jesus Christ. She has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ one-on-one, and they're going to talk, and Jesus Christ is going to lead her to him. And during this conversation, she's going to use five different arguments to try to get out of salvation in Jesus Christ. She's going to use five of them. And we're going to look at each one of those this morning and see what, she's, what arguments she's using. And we're going to look at these arguments that she uses. But before we go much further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray you bless this sermon, Lord God. I pray you bless these words. It won't be mine. Father, it be yours, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you'd build a hedge of protection through the Holy Spirit around every heart in this room, Lord God. Father, Lord, they want to hear from you. They don't want to hear from me, Lord God. Father, I pray you just hide me behind the cross, Lord God. I pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way, Father. Lord, I, I do thank you for the rain you sent our way, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But Lord, uh, spiritually speaking, Lord, we're, we're living in a dry land. The Holy Spirit don't seem to be moving, Father. And Lord, we know that the only reason that would be happening is because of us and our sin, Lord God, and the lives we're living, Father. I pray you would forgive us for that. Cleanse us and wash us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move on these people this morning, Lord God. Father, I pray you move among us, Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, you'd make a personal encounter with Jesus Christ for somebody in here this morning, Lord God, that maybe doesn't know for sure where they're going to go, Lord. And when we give this invitation, Father, I pray you give them the wisdom and the, the heart to come on down and get saved. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. All right, guys, so the first argument she's going to make, the first argument she's going to make, she's going to make it there in verse 9. Let's look at verse 9. The first argument she's going to make, it's a social argument, which hits home to 2020. This is a social argument. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So sometimes when people, you try to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, they use a social argument. It's the rich versus the poor. It's a social class. Like, what is a, what is a poor guy trying to tell me, a rich guy, what to do? Brother Packer, when he was down in Houston before he came up to Brownwood, Texas, way back in the 50s, he went to all these rich neighborhoods and he would knock on the doors and he would try to witness to people about Jesus Christ. He was on fire for Jesus Christ. He wanted to see people saved. And while he's on this uh, tour of knocking on doors, he said this one doctor opened up the door and this doctor said, Son, you need to go down to the poor people into the poor neighborhood. They're the ones that need Jesus Christ. And he slammed the door. And Brother Packer's face. I'm here to tell you this morning, the rich and the poor need Jesus Christ. Amen. The rich and the poor need Jesus Christ. And the problem with the rich is, the rich start believing that their righteousness is tied to their wealth. Their wealth and their, wealth and their riches is associated with their righteousness. Look, I, I, I'm rich. I'm wearing a $1,000 suit. I'm, I'm driving a nice car. I, live in a nice, I have a nice job. Therefore, I must be doing something right. Therefore, I must be righteous. But that's not how God sees it. And there's no, no telling what, I don't care what TV program you turn on and they start preaching to you that God wants you to be rich. Don't believe that nonsense. God doesn't necessarily want you to be rich. 
God's going to take care of you. God's going to provide for you. But God, through this, from this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, warns you about riches. And that's the problem we have is America's rich. That's why you can't see, get anybody saved anymore. What do I need God for? I have a MasterCard and a Visa in my back pocket. Why do I need to pray for, to God for some new shoes? I just go down and buy them. Why do I need to pray to God to send me some food? I'll just go down. That's why this, this farmers out here pray for rain. We know who sends the rain, and it isn't Walmart. Amen. And it isn't Amazon Prime sending rain down here. It's God Almighty. And we pray and we beg out to God. He's our provider. But when you live in a country that, that, that is given everything on a silver platter, our kids are just so spoilt. They're given everything. We're given everything as adults. We wonder why America doesn't turn to God. Why should they? It's going to take persecution. It's going to take America falling flat on its face before they look up to God again. Riches is, a, is riches, the love of riches is what's causing America to fall down like it is. Jesus Christ warned about this. Jesus Christ said in Mark 10, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And then he goes on to say, because the disciples were astonished, he goes on and says, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? He says it twice in a row about riches, riches, riches. But then he, they say, well, who can get saved? And Jesus Christ says, with men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. I'm not saying if you're rich, you're not going to get saved. I'm saying if you're rich, it, it's, it can be a blind to you. And be a cover to you. And when I say rich, I'm talking about rich in knowledge too. College degrees. Men and, men and women that are trusting in their, their, their education. Which their education comes from man, not God. You know, uh, Brother Packer, speaking of Brother Packer, he was a character, man. That Brother Packer was a character. He was an old, this Brother Packer was an old pig farmer. He's a pig farmer, and then he struck it rich. And when he struck it rich, he started giving money to higher paying university, higher paying university, because he's rich now. What did that, what, well, we want you on the board. They didn't want him on the board when he's a pig farmer, but when he's willing to give them thousands and thousands of dollars, yeah, come on here and be on the board with us. Now, if you know Brother Packer, he never graduated high school. So he goes to this board meeting, and, here's, and he goes to the board meeting, and you have to sign in at this board meeting. On this board meeting, all the guys' names are on there. Dr. So-and-so, Ph.D., T.T.D., D.D.D., had all these letters after it. So Brother Packer gets in there to the board meeting, and he looks on there, and he sees this, so-and-so, Ph.D., and he puts down there, Reuben R. Packer, G.E.D. <laughs> The president of the university said, told Brother Parker, he goes, I'll never forget that, and that humbled me down, and God bless you. God can use anybody. God can use a pig farmer. But will you listen to the pig farmer? Are you only going to listen to somebody who's highly educated and got the Ph.D.? You realize Jesus Christ didn't have any wealth on this earth. Jesus Christ said, I don't have a pillow to lay my head on. The foxes have holes. The birds has nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus Christ didn't even have a home. Are you going to tell me God wants you to be rich? I'm telling you God will take care of you, and he's provided for me, and I thank the Lord for everything I have. But that doesn't mean that God's going to bless me, for, bless me to be rich and rich. If you give me too much money, I'll be down in Las Vegas right now. And God knows it. And some of y'all would be the same way. 
If God was, if y'all was distracted, rich, y'all be, y'all run off. I'd never see y'all again. Sometimes y'all are in here just because there's nothing else to do. You don't have any money. Might as well go to church. <laughs> nothing good on TV, guys. Sometimes it's blessed to be poor. Not a lot of amens, but some yas in there. Yeah, amen. Black versus white. The social argument is black versus white. It's race versus race. That's what we're dealing with today in 2020. My argument about that is when my wife and I was watching a TV program and I told her, that girl's black. And my wife said, no, she's not. I said, yes, she is looking. And my wife said, no, she's not. So me and my wife were arguing, is that girl, was that girl a black girl? Is that girl a Hispanic girl? What is that girl? We don't know. What does it matter? <laughs> it's a girl. Amen. What does it matter? If she's black, white, brown, what does it matter? You can't tell nowadays. We're so mixed, you can't tell. Why are we arguing about this stuff? You can't tell. When I, I grew up in a black community, I played a lot of basketball, and if a black guy came in the gym and he was, he was, if he's white-skinned, he was a black guy, but they called him a high yellow. You ever heard of that? High yellow. He's, he's a high yellow. That's what they call each other. He's a high yellow. There's a professor recently, I mean, I think like last week, recently a professor at George Washington University came out and she said, guess what, I'm not black after all, I'm actually white. Y'all read about that? She had been protesting, going up there and protesting as a black girl. And she'd been asked to speak at all these different events that for, down in New York and for Brooklyn. And she's like, I, I'm a black girl. I'm a Jamaican. I think she claimed to be a Jamaican and a black this and a black that. And then she just said this, this just this last week. Google it up. She just said, you know what? I'm white. I was lying all along. How can a white girl claim she's black? You can't tell. You can't tell. You know what she was? She was a white Jewish girl from Kansas. <laughs> I'm black. Guys, it don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're white or black or brown or polka dot or yellow. You need Jesus Christ. We all need Jesus Christ. That's the point. It doesn't matter if you're a Samaritan or a Jew. You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what it is. Uh, I have a dear Chad Reese. I know Brother, brother Marowitz loves Brother Chad Reese. Chad Reese, dear, dear brother in Christ. He was led to Jesus Christ by his black sergeant in the military. Black man led him to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Some, maybe some of y'all were led to an, another race. Does it matter? It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ, so don't, let's not make this a black thing or a white thing. Or, I'm not going to listen to you because you're a white guy. I, you know what? Some of my favorite preachers to listen to are black guys. Because they'll tell it like it is, and they're for sure not politically correct. Some of y'all are looking down because y'all know this is, curtain of time, this is getting to be... Just mentioning black and white, everybody says, oh, their hair gets up on the back of their neck. hope he doesn't say anything. He's up on Facebook. I hope he doesn't say anything get in trouble. I'm not lucky enough to get kicked off Facebook. Me and Jake have tried and tried to think of ways to get kicked off of Facebook, and I can't do it. I've tried and tried to preach something that's going to get me kicked off of Facebook. I preach against the Antichrist. I preach against Bill Gates. I but you know what? I'm just going to keep on preaching Jesus Christ. I guarantee that eventually get me kicked off because they don't like Jesus Christ. It's a social argument. They use a social argument. Some of these people that are so racist, and I know some racist people, 
if, the, if, they get, if they got a knock on the door and a lawyer was at the door and they opened the door and there's a lawyer says, I want to tell you something, you're rich. You have a far distant relative that just passed away and they left you an oil, an oil reserve, an oil field. You're rich, you got all the money you could ever want. But I need to tell you something. That distant, distant relative was a black guy. I know what a lot of y'all would do. Y'all turn to y'all's wife and say, black lives matter. Black lives matter. <laughs> it don't matter where you're getting it from. You just want to get it, right? If I say, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but I'm going to send somebody over there that's a Democrat to give it to you, y'all going to turn them away? Some of y'all say, I would. I said, well, send them my way. I won't. <laughs> Amen. We're talking about riches, right? Everybody wants riches. It don't matter when somebody's giving you something that's precious. It don't matter if it's coming from a black guy, a Spanish guy, an Oriental, or who it is, a poor or a rich guy. You just want to get it, right? What I'm trying to show you this and what Jesus Christ is going to show her is you need this drink. You need this living water. And it doesn't matter if I'm a Jew and you're a Samaritan. It has nothing to do with it. You need this. You need this. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. Notice it's a gift. It's a free gift. She's not going to have to earn it. She's not going to have to go look into ways to make up for it. She's not going to have to go. He didn't say, okay, you've got to go to church, and I want you to feed the poor, and I want you to start reading your Bible. This is a gift. It's a free gift. If you're listening to me this morning, Jesus Christ will save you freely. You don't have to do anything. I don't have to keep coming to church? No. Down to keep reading my Bible? No. I don't have to stop doing this, stop doing that? No. You just come down and ask Jesus Christ to save you. He'll give it to you. Mom, I'm going to warn you about something. <laughs> Once Jesus Christ saves you, something happens in your life. The Holy Spirit comes in and starts dwelling in you. And all those things you used to love to do, they don't seem as fun anymore. And now you've got this convicting spirit in you called the Holy Spirit. And when you try to go out and start living the life that, like you were living, it's not going to feel right. And you're not going to be happy. You'll be saved. You're still going to heaven. But you're going to be a miserable person until you get right with Jesus Christ. But he'll give it to you for free. It's a gift. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have, wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Ask him. Not me. Not the preachers. Not the church. It's, we're talking about a man this morning. We're not talking about a plan. This isn't a plan. This is about a man. This is the man, Jesus Christ. I brought it up earlier, but we're not talking about a philosophy, not talking about an idea, I'm not talking about, hey, I want you to start living a certain way. No, what I want you to do is to take your heart and put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's all I'm asking. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just calling on the Lord. That's what we're talking about this morning. It's simple. And He'll give you, He'll give you these li this living water. Man, that's an interesting thing. Living, what, what is living water? Well, let's continue on. Verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? She's going to use a skeptical argument. So the second thing she uses is a skeptical argument. I don't see, you, I don't see anything in your hand to draw water. 
I don't see anything in your hand to draw water. How are you going to draw water and give me living water? How are you going to do this? I don't, see anything in your, I don't see any bottles you're carrying on your side. How are you going to give me living water? It's a skeptical argument. See, and skeptical arguments always, always, in my experience, always tend to lean towards ag agnostic. Instead of being an atheist, an atheist is simply saying, I don't believe in a God. I don't believe there is a God. Agnostic says, I don't, I, I'll believe it when I see it. You've got to show me proof. There's got, God's got to come down and God's got to show me himself. God's got to prove himself. God's got to, that's an agnostic view. And a lot of skepticism comes from the agnostic view. Is you got to show it to me with a physical, my physical eyes. Let me see something with my physical eyes. I don't see something in your hand to dig, to drop, uh, drop down in that water and get that. I don't understand. It's skeptical it's a skeptical viewpoint. It's a skeptical argument. But most, my experience, most skeptics believe in love. You can't see love. Yeah, I can. I, I can see it. Yeah, you see it. You see it manifest out of somebody towards somebody else. You can't see love, though. But most skeptics would agree. Yeah, I believe in love. I believe there's love. And they'll say, I believe in hate. How do you, see, how do you know hate manifests out? You'll see it manifest out of somebody. And that's what is going on here. The Spirit cannot be seen. When the Holy Spirit moves somebody, it can't be seen, but you see it manifest out of somebody. This living water cannot be seen, but you see the manifestation of the living water coming out of somebody. Turn back a couple of pages. It might only be one page to John chapter 3. Look at verse 6. John chapter 3, verse 6. So Jesus Christ is talking to Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's something you see with your eyes. You see it with your eyes. That's agnostics. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We're not talking about things you see with your flesh. We're not talking about things we see with your eyes. We're talking about spiritual things you can't put your finger on. That's the Spirit. That's the living waters. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Amen. You must be born again. Right. Well, explain that. Explain that, Jesus. He does. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. He explains it. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And now here's the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. The wind blows, you don't see the wind coming in. You see the results of the wind. You see the, the leaves move on the trees. And you see the, thing, the way the tree moves, you say the wind's blowing through the trees. You don't see the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where that wind goes, but you see the results of it on that tree. A tree in the Bible is a type of man. You see the results of the Holy Spirit on a man or a woman when they're saved. You see it sometimes it manifests out in their countenance. They get a glow about them. Sometimes it manifests out in their works, things they do for people, their, their attitude towards people. When everybody else is hating on somebody, they find a way to love and to pray for somebody. That's the spirit. That's the living waters that Jesus Christ is talking about. And as an agnostic, you're never going to get it. Because <laughs> these are not things physically you can see. What always amazes me about scientific skeptics, scientific skeptics will make fun of us because we believe in a spiritual realm. And then they go on to tell me that there has to be at least six other dimensions. <laughs> okay, so I believe in another dimension called spiritual. Amen. And you believe in six other dimensions, but you're mocking me for making, because I believe in just one more called a spiritual dimension. 
I think you're uh, skeptical on purpose. Willfully ignorant, the Bible calls it. In other words, you're, you're ignorant on purpose. I think you don't want to believe. Because believing leads to having to confront God Almighty. And say, you know what? Maybe there is a God. And if there is a God, what's going to happen when I take my last breath? To me, I don't see why there, anybody would even argue if there is a God. You don't have to believe in my Jehovah God. You need to, but I'm not going to say you have to, but I, I don't think, I don't understand why a person doesn't believe in just God. How is that possible when you really meditate on it? Do you understand scientifically that what you have going on in this room is impossible? It's impossible. That there's not... You, you mean that all of this, we're, we're, all, we're living symbiotic lives. We're relying on the plants, the plants are relying on us. Our, all, everything in our body is designed to rely on one of the, you have one thing wrong with your body. You can ask Brother Justin, you have one thing wrong with your body, it affects your whole body. It's symbiotic. It can't just have evolved over time. It can't just, it's, it's got to have been created and started right there. There's not a scientific Skeptic, I know that doesn't believe in the law of gravity. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if there's a law, there has to be a lawgiver. If there's a law, there has to be a lawgiver. Has to be. Skeptical argument. And then she goes on there in verse 12. Look at verse 12. She uses another one. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? You know what she's using? She's using a denominational argument. Verse twelve, she she kicks she goes from a skeptical argument and this goes straight into a denominational argument, which is, hey, are you greater than our father Jacob? See, they're claiming Jacob as their father, and they have right to. They're saying, you know what, uh, my grandma and my granddad, they were a certain religion and they were a certain denomination and you're trying to tell me that you're, you're greater than them and you know more than them and it's use that, that denominational argument. If you go out soul winning, brothers and sisters, this is the one you're going to get right here. Nine times out of, it starts right there. When I've been out soul winning there in a pretty area, this is, this, I, this is it. This is how the conversation goes. He opened the door, hello? I said, hey, I'm from Indian Gap Baptist Church. If we want to invite you to church, see if you, uh, if you know anything about Jesus Christ, I'm a Lutheran. Next door, I'm a Lutheran. I didn't ask you if you're a Lutheran. I asked you, do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? I'm asking you, if you died tonight, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I'm not asking you if you, I'm not, I'm not in here this morning. Jesus Christ is not in here this morning saying, are you a Catholic? Are you a good Baptist? Are you a Southern Baptist? Are you Independent Baptist? Are you a Lutheran, a Methodist, a Church of Christ? Or, are you, no, he's asking you, do you have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? See, when you get up into heaven and you get up into heaven, God doesn't have the roll call for Indian Gap Baptist Church up in heaven. You understand that, right? Like God's not up there and say, okay, let's see. Yep, I have it right here. You were going to church at certain, certain day at Indian Gap Baptist. Come on in. That's not the book he uses. The Bible tells us real specifically what book he uses. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. And when you get up into heaven, you've got to have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got to have it. And it's written there by Jesus Christ, and you get there by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
You're not going to get to heaven and say, well, I did a lot of good works for the church. I prayed a lot. I fed the poor. That's not what gets you into heaven. Lots of, lots of evil people do that. Look into it. Hitler didn't become Hitler because he was an evil guy. Hitler did a lot of good things in Germany. He just happened to be evil and demon-possessed. Anybody think he's up in heaven right now? He did a lot of good. Good, evil people do good things. That's not what gets you into heaven. Evil things is not what gets you down into hell. Everybody does evil things. Everybody's destined there. What gets you down into hell is a sin of omission. What's that? That means that you didn't take the cure. That means that you might, everybody might have a certain disease, but you got the cure. It's Jesus Christ. You just got to take it. There's the gift. He's saying if you, if you knew the gift, you would have asked me and I would have given you the gift. You need that gift. And that's what he's presenting to her. You need living waters. Well, I, you don't have no way to get me water. I don't see any kind of, I don't see any bucket where you're going to get down in that well. I don't, see, she's thinking with, the, with her eyes. She's thinking with the flesh. She's thinking with the physical world. Jesus Christ is not talking about the physical world. Jesus Christ is talking about the spiritual realm. That's something that we don't like to talk about. That's something that people love. Some of the most expensive, famous shows are... Ghost movies, scary movies, demon-possessed movies. You, you go, that's, they love to be scared. They love to talk about the spiritual side of things. But when you talk about God, you say, I don't believe in God. Then what are you scared about demons and stuff? What are you scared about that? Why are you going to watch those movies? That's silly. You don't believe in that stuff? I don't believe in God. There's a spiritual side that people forget. And that's what he's trying to talk to her about. And she's trying to use it denominational. Verse 13, Jesus answered, and this is his answer. Answer is said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. Physical. Physical. He's saying, see that water out there? You're going to drink and you're going to thirst again. We all know that to be true in here. Verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water spring up into everlasting life. Amen. What Jesus is trying to tell her and what I'm trying to explain to you this morning through the words of Jesus Christ, this isn't me, this is the words of Jesus Christ is that there's a physical thirst you have and we all know that. Every man and woman knows about a physical thirst but there's also a spiritual thirst every man and woman has. You might not realize it. You might be trying to drown it out. There might be these cravings, this thirst you have and you might be trying to drown it out with, with drugs, with, uh, with alcohol, with sex, with uh, pleasure, with music, with, with, uh, with your job, with work. You might, there's all kinds of ways men find to drown out that thirst. And you're never quenched. And you're never quenched. And you're never quenched. And I'm here to tell you if you go to anybody else other than Jesus Christ, you're never going to be quenched. See, before I, see, I know both sides. Because before I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was out in the world trying different, I was drinking different things. I was drinking a little bit of uh, Satanism. I was drinking a little bit of the occult. And I was drinking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But man, once I got a tall, cool drink of Jesus Christ, I've never thirsted again. What I mean by that, brothers and sisters, is once I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I never said, you know what, I'm going to go see if uh, Muhammad's a good prophet. <laughs> I went and studied Muslims. I went and studied Islam. But just 
because I'm a preacher and I need to know both sides, but I never studied him saying, I wonder if that's a good thing. I already had the good thing. And what I found out when I started studying Muhammad, started studying these other religions, Buddhism, I studied Buddhism, I started studying these other things, that stuff's sewer water compared to Jesus Christ. Why, why would you want that? It's nasty. It doesn't, for one thing, it doesn't quench your thirst, and it's filthy. Jesus Christ is pure living water. And he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. It's free. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's still kind of thinking in a physical sense. Well, he switches, his on, switches it on her in verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Oh, man. That's just like the Lord to do that. Everything's going good. You're having a pretty good argument with him. You think you're getting the best of him. Then he says, Hey, you know your husband? Why don't you go call him? She doesn't have a husband. The guy she's living with is not her husband. What he's doing is he's wanting to get a conviction out of her. He's wanting her to confess something. It's something that everybody in here needs to realize. You're a sinner. You must confess you're a sinner. See, I've been talking and talking and talking about being saved, getting saved, being saved, being saved. What does that mean? Saved from what? You say the word saved. That means that you're on a ship, it's sinking, it's going down, and somebody saved you. Somebody came by and saved you. You say, well, I'm saved. Saved from what? From the sinking ship. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, you need to be saved from hell. Amen. The word people don't like. And before you can be a convert, you've got to be a convict. Amen. Before you know you need to be saved, you need to know you, you need to know you, you need to know you need to be saved before you can be saved. Amen. So many people don't even know the house is on fire. Chad Reese was witness to a guy down in Pensacola, Florida, and he was talking to him, and the guy said, why are you doing this? I don't understand. He goes, well, because I'm trying to warn people to buy hell. He goes, well, that's, he goes, listen, Chad said, listen, now, if you're like on a, sec you're in the second story of an apartment building, and I walk by, and I seen a big fire at the bottom, and I realize you didn't see it, and I point up and say, hey, man, there's a fire down there. There's a fire down there. And you open up the window and say, no, nah, there's no fire down there. Hey, man, just move along. Shut up. I don't want to hear you. Chad Reese said, don't you think I should keep yelling fire? Even if you wouldn't listen to me, don't you think it's my obligation to keep trying to warn you? And the guy said, yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to do to you right now. There's a fire below you. And there's preachers all over America, preachers all over America yelling, there's a fire, there's a fire. And people are like, ah, ha, ha, ah, there's no fire. And we can see it through the word. We can see it through the word. Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said I have no husband. You know what I, you know what I don't like about the Lord? He asks questions he already knows the answers to. <laughs> who, who got into the cookie jar? I don't know mama who got into the cookie jar. She knows exactly who got into the cookie jar. She wants me to confess it. Jesus Christ asks us questions because he wants us to confess it. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto her, unto him, the woman says, the woman, Samaritan woman says to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> yeah, I bet so. It's like, oh, you know a lot about me. How do you know so much about me? I think you're a prophet. 
That's what happens with an encounter with Jesus Christ. See, you hear all this bad stuff about Jesus Christ, you hear all this nonsense about Jesus Christ, but then when you start studying about Jesus Christ in your Bible, you get in a Bible, you start really studying about Jesus Christ, He's not who the world thinks He is. Amen. You're like, yeah, He's a pretty good prophet, I think. And then you get in here and you go, oh my, Jesus Christ right there just said He's the Son of God. Right there, he just said, he is God. What's going on here? I didn't know him that way. What's he doing over there yelling at those people, calling them hypocrites? I thought Jesus Christ was nothing but love. What's he doing over there flipping over tables and beating people with a whip? I've never seen that before in Sunday school class. <laughs> you need to find the real Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God sent for the sins of the world. But see, he's already paid. The lamb's already been on the cross. Now he's a lion. And that Jesus Christ that comes back the second time, when Jesus Christ comes back, he'll come back as a lion, as a roaring lion. You don't want to be here on the opposite side when Jesus Christ comes back. He's not going to come back as a suffering prophet. He's going to come back as king of kings and lord of lords. See, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to be there because I'm on the winning side. I, got, I already picked my side. I picked Jesus Christ's side. Now, if you want to be a Muslim or uh, you want to be a Buddhist, you want to go on, try to get to God some other way, you pick that side. But see, I'm going to be on the side with the guy that has that big old sword and the white stallion and has a crown of crowns and he has King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on his side and the one that's going to come down and he's going to kill people for 200 million miles. The blood's going to run to the horse's bridle. That guy right there. Amen. That's a guy that it, it should scare you if you're on the wrong side. If you're on the wrong side. Verse 20. She's going to use the doctrinal argument here. This is the fourth one. Verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. That's a doctrinal ar argument. That, what do I mean by that? That's an argument that my priest says, or my pastor says, or my reverend says, or uh, I got taught by my grandmother. A preacher once told me. So you've got to ask yourself who's got the truth? Who's right? That's an honest question, right? How do you know I'm right? This morning, honestly, how do you know this bald-headed preacher's right? How do you know I'm not wrong? The question to Jesus Christ says, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. She says, We're worshiping God in this mountain. And it says, And ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And she says, But you're saying in Jerusalem is where men ought to worship. But we worship in this mountain. So she's using a doctrinal argument. Well, who's right and who's wrong? The Jews are right. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Right there. And if you're not looking up, I'm holding up a Bible. The Jews are right because that's what God said. God said, I don't want you worshiping anywhere else. I want you to be worshiping right here on this mountain through the Levites. Bring the sacrifices right here. And I'll accept it nowhere else. That's what God Almighty told them. That's what God said. That's how you know that they're right. You say that in Jerusalem is a place where men are. Why do they say that? They say that because that's what God said. So when I come to you this morning and I say, Jesus Christ is the only way. You've got to go to God through Jesus Christ. You might be out there saying, I think there's many different ways. I think there's many different ways to go that. You know why I say stuff like that? Why would I say something about Jesus Christ like that? Because Jesus Christ himself said that. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. You don't like it, take it up with Jesus. I'm just repeating what he said. That's why people say, well, you say that there's, different, there, there's only one way. But I think, that, well, well, say whatever you want to say. It's a free world. Live how you want to live. But if you want to know why I say it, it's because it's the Word of God. Amen. John 17, 17. Jesus Christ is praying to the Father, and this is what he says. 17, 17. I'll read it to you. Sanctify them through thy truth. What is truth? Sanctify them. Set them apart through thy truth. He's talking to God. Jesus Christ talking to the Father. Sanctify them through thy truth. The question is, what is truth, Pastor? Thy word. Thy word is truth. So when I've got that in my heart, and I've took that to my heart for the past 25 years, that this is the truth. I went in here, and I don't change a word of it. I study it just like it is. And I'll be honest with you. When I first went into here about 25, 27 years ago, I thought I'm going to find a lot of errors, I'm going to find a lot of problems, but I just by faith just went in there and I'm thinking, it's not been that way. It's been amazing. That's why I can, I can preach with such authority. I'm not preaching with my authority, I'm preaching with this right here. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to lord it over you, I'm just trying to help you because I've already read this book. And just spend people, people in here amen to me because they know exactly what verses I'm quoting. <laughs> They've read the same book. I'm not try, nobody's hiding this book from you. But one man, his name is the devil. He wants to hide your eyes from this thing. He don't want you to see it. Because he wants you to see the Jesus he presents to you. He wants to see you the truth that he wants, the truth he thinks he wants you to see. He wants to give you the truth. He don't want you to see the truth. And I encourage you, if you're doubting me this morning and you say, well, I don't believe in all that, you owe it to yourself to find out if I'm telling the truth or not. Amen. For your very soul's sake. Not for my, my soul's sake. I'm, I'm convinced. And com, when I have Jehovah's Witness knock on my door, I can witness to Jehovah's Witness, to Mormons, to any kind of denomination. I can talk to them about and I use the Word of God to defend myself. And they always go away stumped and mad and red-faced. And I always smiling. Because <laughs> I have this authority. It's not my opinion. I'm not a smart guy. But I can read. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What does Jesus Christ say to her? Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, thou art cometh, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. That's prophecy, and it came true in 70 A.D. Titus came in, Roman Empire, wiped out Jerusalem, wiped out all Mount Ephraim, gone, just moved them out. Look at verse 22. Jesus Christ, he's a, he, he's a, he's a man of love, right? He would never offend anybody. Look what he says in verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. He's making fun of her religion. Yeah, he is, because it's wrong. Ye worship, ye know not what. I'm going to tell you something. It's a, it's a great truth. If you're not worshiping Jesus Christ, you're worshiping the devil. Yeah. Amen. I don't care if you amen me or not. If you're not worshiping Jesus Christ, you're worshiping the devil. That's what you're doing. We know not, you, we know what we worship, verse 22. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Ah, man, the world don't like that. That's it, right? That's the kicker right there. If Jesus Christ just wasn't a Jew, everything would be all right. But he is a Jew. See, in truth, God, is, God, is, uh, God does have preferred races. 
God has one preferred race above the whites, above the blacks, above the Hispanics, above the Orientals. It's one race. It's called the Junior. He's preferred that one race. That's why when I, I didn't vote for Trump. Y'all know I didn't vote for Trump. But when I see Trump do something to help Israel out, I say, praise God. Because I know enough about my Bible that God says, I'm going to bless them that bless thee. I'm going to curse them that curse thee. And I've seen it all through history. When any nation goes against a Jew, they're cursed. And the Jew always wins in the end. The Jew always wins. And that's why they're so hated. God's blessed them. That's why they're bankers and lawyers and movie directors and movie actors and movie singers. I think some of y'all would follow y'all seats. Y'all find out how many of these guys y'all watch on TV and movies and sing songs that are Jews. And I mean, Kiss, one of the biggest heavy metal groups of all time. Kiss, all Jews. Steven Spielberg, Jew. Biggest movies of all time. Steven Spielberg, Jew. George Lucas, Jew. Three Stooges. Jews. Y'all don't like Three Stooges. I do. Some of the best ones are Jews. They're all Jews. How is that? God's blessed them. Why? That's where their, his son comes from. That's, that's why. They're kin to his son. Salvation is of the Jews. It's the Jew, Jesus Christ. Verse 23. But the hour cometh, hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers... It must be false. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. That sums up the whole message this morning. It's simply this. You might be looking at these things as a physical thing. Like I need to go to church. I need to stop doing that. I need to physically uh, get baptized. I need to start feeding the poor. I, I don't know how you're physically looking at this thing. This has nothing to do with physical matters. This has everything to do with spiritual matters. You must be born again. Nicodemus said, do I crawl back in my mother's womb and be born again? No, Nicodemus, you don't understand. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The spirit moveth and listeth where it goes. You see the, the leaves on the trees move? These are spiritual things. The main problem with the... People ask me, What's, why do we have all these different denominations? The main problem with the denominations is simply this. A lot of the different denominations, including us sometimes, is they look at the Word of God and they try to look at it physically. A physical, it's physical, and it's not. It's spiritual. These, these are spiritual words. Jesus Christ said, my words are spirit and they are life. It's something you can't get. That's why it's a lot of skeptics, they're never going to get it skeptically. Because they're not, they're trying to look at it with the physical thing. I want God to show me, I want lightning to come down. If God was, if you say, I want lightning to come down and I'll believe in God, and God was to send lightning and strike it, you'd come up with another reason not to believe it. Oh, that was just a coincidence. I've seen it a hundred times in my life, guys doing that way. God show up in their life and they say, well, that's just, that's just a coincidence. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The last thing she's going to use, the last argument she's going to give is found in verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us, tell us all things. She uses a postponement argument. And maybe you're in here this morning and you're trying to use a postponement argument. Maybe you're trying to say, yeah, I know one day the Messiah is coming. I know one day that I, you know, one day I'll get my life right and I'll sow all my oats. 
then I'll take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. One day, and I'm here to tell you as a pastor who's preached a lot of funerals, you might not have tomorrow. Amen. Pastor Eddie had a little bit of heart problems. Pastor Eddie in the early First Baptist. Pastor Eddie, friend of mine, Pastor Eddie. Went in, had a little bit of heart problems, said, oh, we found a little bit of cancer. They went in, they're going to start doing treatments. <laughs> Dead. Dead. Died. Dead. We buried an 18-year-old kid in this church. Don't tell me you have tomorrow. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to bring. But you got today. You got today. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Listen, this Bible is not about the 99 sheep that are found. That's me. I'm a found sheep. It's about the one that's lost. God said in the cool of the evening, he comes down and he looks for, and he goes, Adam, where art thou? It's about God looking for you. So I'm here to tell you, if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is right behind you. And he's whispering to your heart in a spiritual way. And the Holy Spirit's moving on you. And he's wanting you. He loves you. He died for you. And if you're in here this morning and you're like, I'll just put it off. I'll wait another day. You might not have that other day. I tell the story a lot from this pulpit. Maybe some of y'all hadn't heard this story. I had a friend of mine witnessing to a Spanish friend, a, a, a Spanish guy in Comanche, Texas. He's witnessing to him. And that Spanish guy said, you know what? I'll wait till I get older before I get saved. I don't need Jesus Christ. Next week, he was in his above-ground pool, and he was, he was vacuuming it out of his above-ground pool, and his family said he jerked the cord, and he knew he made a mistake, and he looked just in time to see that pump go boom, electrocuted him, killed him right there. Tomorrow never came for him. This might be your only chance. I don't know. I want to see you up in heaven with me. This stuff's real to me. It's real to me. I have the living water. I know what it's like to be drinking the water of Jesus Christ. I know that, that thirst that can get quenched. But I can talk about it and talk about it. But until you take a long, tall drink of Jesus Christ, you're never going to understand it. Amen. Verse 26. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So his answer to her is, I that speak unto thee am he. Right here, you got me. There's no Messiah to come. There's no other thing you need to look at. There's, it's a really, salvation in Jesus Christ is so simple. You can, you can take Jesus Christ this morning. We're going to give an invitation. And you can take Jesus Christ this morning, or you can wait and get out in your car and bow your head and talk to Jesus Christ there. You can wait till you get home, go get in a closet. You can go get out there and walk, go for a walk. And I, you can ask Jesus Christ to save you anywhere. Amen. I'm not trying to, get you to, trying to embarrass you down here. I'm just trying to give you an opportunity because it was given to me, and I took it. And I'm an old-time Texan. I believe if you're going to take somebody, you got to say, I do in front of a bunch of people. When I asked my wife to marry me, I didn't get to do it in the closet. I do it in front of a bunch of people. So I do, and she, thank God she said, I do. I believe that you shouldn't be ashamed. Now, if you do it and you say, well, I'm just a little embarrassed, I understand. Believe it or not, I get embarrassed. If you need to go out in a car, or you just want to pull me to the side, that's fine. Or pull somebody, my wife can lead you to the Lord. Or you just want to go off by yourself, you say, Brother Keegan, I know enough. I can go do it myself. Go do it yourself. But then when you do, you need to tell somebody. You need to confess them. You need to call you a loved one, a good friend. Say, hey, I just need to tell you something. I took Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. You need to confess it. Because Jesus Christ said, 
Confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Amen. That's one of the reasons why I believe in bringing them down. Say, hey, just confess it. Just turn around and say, I took Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I'm He. And upon this came His disciples and marveled that He talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? They don't know why, she's talk why He's talking to her. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men. Notice she forgot her physical needs for her spiritual needs. She left her water. That's the whole reason she went down there to get water. She left her water pot. Guys, when you run into Jesus Christ, sometimes you're going to have to put your physical needs aside and say, I got some spiritual needs now. I got some spiritual needs I need to take care of. Come and see a man. Look what she says, verse 29. Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this, the Christ. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. They ran out. They said, let's go see this man. So skip down to verse 39 for time's sake. Skip down to verse 39 for time's sake and we're closing. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So there's some that believed just because she preached him. And that's what I'm hoping to happen this morning. I'm hoping you'll believe because of the words that I'm preaching. And maybe some of the amens you hear. You'll believe because you say, there's some people who give me a testimony that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. He stayed with them. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. What's that? Those are people who say, you know, I don't believe that old bald-headed preacher, but I guess I'll check it out and see if Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And they go home and they get the Gospel of John. They start at John chapter 1 and they read the Gospel of John and get to John chapter 20 and say, he's the Savior. I better believe him. He is indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you an opportunity this morning. Like I've said over and over again, this isn't to embarrass you. It's just give you an opportunity. I want you to be saved. We're all in here. That's the whole reason this church is even open. Why we, give, why we uh, tithe is so we can have opportunity to get this stuff on the radio, get this stuff on Facebook, get this stuff on the Internet, give you opportunity if you come in to get saved. We want to see people saved. We want to preach the good news. We're like the woman that run back. We run back to y'all and we're saying, hey, is this guy Jesus, is he not the Savior? He's my Savior. But can you say, he's my Savior? Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.